Today I'm joined by the incredible James Worthington who's the artistic director of Tailgate Theatre. In this chat we talk about James's journey, we talk about the schedule of pantomimes from the casting to the press shoot to productions, how they cast all their shows, what performers should do in that panto audition room and James also shares some hilarious anecdotes, things that have gone very wrong during panto runs. I really hope you enjoyed this chat as much as I did so let's get on with the show. So James, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. For any of the listeners who maybe don't know who you are, can you give us a bit of a bio and your experience professionally as to why you're here today? Uh, Well, first, thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be here. Talking to an influencer on the modern social media streams. Um, I'm a bit old. I'm still getting used to TikTok, so this is rather exciting. Uh, I am James Worthington. I'm Artistic Director of Tailgate Theatre Productions, and I have been now for 15 years. We started it in 2009. Um, I trained as a a, a, a theatre... They called it a theatre practitioner because I went to a place called Breton Hall, which no longer exists. It was part of the University of Leeds. And the, on the, I remember on the first day, a, a chap called um, George Rodostenos. And uh, if, you, uh, did any, if you've done any research into musical theatre, you've definitely read a book by this guy. Uh, he said, we're not teaching you how to be actors. You can do that. You can act. That's why you've got this part. We're going to teach you how to make theatre. And I, I actually, at the time, I was like, oh, I want to be an actor when actually I think what that course taught me was actually everything I needed, especially as a modern performer, creating your own work is just so integral and so important. And having the knowledge of creating theatre, as in like the backstage work, the producing, the money, all of that, that was really important. I didn't realise it at the time, but learning that was really important going forward. So I'm from Bretton Hall, so I'm a theatre practitioner, um, and we, in the last 15 years, we've produced pantomimes, um, starting out doing theatre and education tours, because that was um, an easy way in to making our own work. Growing up into building um, static work to creating our own musicals, we do adaptations of... uh, books where we um where i write the book we work with a studio to create the orchestration the lyrics uh, we design the scenery Mo- most of it the production is done in-house and we've done uh, father christmas needs a wee i apologize for the theme here father christmas comes up trumps the giants new role uh, and last year uh, the queen's knickers uh, which was actually the first show that i wanted to produce but it was already being done by the bath egg so that's when he gave us father christmas needs a wee and actually, that's been great because that's now been touring the UK and the West End back this year for the past, uh, oh, it's its 10th anniversary. So that was just uh, luck that he gave us that title because Christmas is never going to go out of fashion. No, absolutely. And you have done so, so much and so much uh, pantomime. It's incredible. Your knowledge of panto is unreal, which is why I've got you on the show. But I mean... For you, what is it about panto and like children's theatre that like drew you to it? Because you do the adaptations as well. So what was it about that that kind of pulled you into it? And how did you get into it? 
Oh, so um, I got into it because um, my my mum worked in a local theatre. She volunteered at a local theatre. And she did a pantomime. She worked front of house at a pantomime season. I'll have been 12, about 12. And it was um, a, a Jamie Marcus Productions, who's a Lincoln-based company. And he, they did... Um, Oh, well, actually, no, it wasn't. It was John Spiller at the time. And he, they were doing Aladdin with Darren Johnson as the dame. And he was billed then as the youngest dame in the UK. And there was just something about the, the way that it encaptured, it grabbed everyone. It didn't matter how old you were, uh, your uh, uh, economic background, just everyone in the room was grabbed by this story that went at such a pace um, and such joy and colour that I was just entranced as a 12 year old I was entranced and there and then I went that's what I want to do I want to wear a dress and be funny <laughs> just new straight away that I needed to wear those wigs I needed to wear those those outrageous fantastic costumes um and and then from there I, I learned as a performer that I'm much more of a Brechtian style than a Stanislavski style I I much prefer presenting a character to being a character and I feel that's what pantomime essentially does it presents a situation to an audience rather than um rather than embodies a character as such that saying that there is moments uh, a pantomime dame needs those pathos moments that empathy that heightens the comedy so for example when when dame trot sells Daisy the cow, you need to believe that she is a very upset mother selling her best friend. So it kind of trips into the two different styles. That, that was why I, I love pantomime. And also, um, I think modern pantomime in particular just gets to use so much stuff it gets to it gets to use uh, political references, which are so important to keep everyone abreast of what's happening politically. It gets to use topical references. So, for example, this year one of our pantomime dames is going to be coming out in a giant prime bottle because the kids have been absolutely obsessed with prime this year. Just a tiny a tiny thing that that, that pantomime can do to um, mirror society at its time. And that's interesting, uh, talking about society and where we're at, why we're starting to lose titles like Aladdin. I, I think we're getting to a part of society where Aladdin needs to be readdressed before we can present it on stage again. Um, so, I, uh, so I watched Pantomime at the Majestic Theatre in Retford, which is where I'm from. Um, and then I did a bit of Amdram Panto at uni. Uh, I, I never got to play the dame. Uh, they didn't think I was funny. I don't know. They're not laughing now, though, are they? <laughs> I thank you. I thank you. Um, I played the fairy godfather in Cinderella at, um, at uni, and I got to sing a mashup of Bibbity Bobbity and Razzle Dazzle that was quite fun. Uh, and then when I left, when I finished university, I went to work for a touring... Uh, a touring pantomime company um, called Hurricane. Um, hi, Marie, if you're listening. Um, and that, that was a great learning experience because that was a three-hander, everyone playing multi-roles, roll-up scenery that you took everywhere. Um, and you were taking theatre to places where they wouldn't get to see a show. They couldn't afford a crossroads pantomime at £200 for a whole family to go. They could afford £1.50 at the local social club. But what they got 
was a fantastic family experience. And so that's been one of our method statements at Tailgate ever since is, is make it make it the best value you can make it for for everyone in, in the community. Um and then I just I just got to a point as a performer where I was like, I'm not getting enough out of doing other people's work. I, I feel I feel like I'm not getting challenged enough, especially coming from that training of being a practitioner versus an actor. So I was like, well, let's just do this ourselves. So one day I uh, picked up the yellow pages. You youngsters won't know what yellow pages are. I know. <laughs> Maybe and, I'm too old. <laughs> and, no, and I... Um, I rang the I rang schools and said we're a company and we are are touring a show and it just so happens that the first school I rang Bullwell Primary in Nottingham said yes from nothing and so then and then from that I was like oh so I I've, I've got to do it then so so from from, from there we uh, auditioned we got the scenery together and we did 11 dates of a TIE pantomime and that was in 2009 and and we've grown from there. And you learn, you learn every year about what works, what doesn't work. Um, and watching other people, you get to learn so much um, about what 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 is funny and where where you put in the set gags versus um, trying new things. Wow, it's crazy to know that you started that way because looking at you now with all the shows and the West End and the tours and you know you've got stuff happening all year round and the amount of shows you've got going out at such a high level with the costumes the set everything it's crazy to think back to where these journeys started and it just takes that one moment of going no you know what I'm gonna do it when you did that when you took that leap of faith was there a moment where you were like I'm not sure this was the right move I'm not sure I'm scared <laughs> I, right, okay, here's the truth, and um, not a lot of people will admit it, but everyone should, is that I think everyone thinks that every day of their life. Um, and if anyone can take anything from this, is my biggest piece of advice is take risks. Jump. You might be unsure, but but leap. Um, I, th I actually think my mentality hasn't changed. I still... I still think of myself as that 15 years ago, oh, no one's going to like this. This is terrifying. So we've just done our first summer season at Kirkstall Abbey. Um, and even though we sold 500 tickets, uh, I was like, well, no one's going to come. No one's going to enjoy it. But um, they seem to like what we do. Um, it's, it's treading that line of being confident enough to create work but but staying vulnerable and staying level headed that don't believe your don't believe your create hype but don't believe your own hype. You love that. So I will tell everyone in the world that will listen that we are four times West End producers and we are the number one pantomime company. Believe it, but don't don't get sucked in by your own marketing machine. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. I think that is a fantastic, fantastic quote there of like, yeah, bring the hype, but you can't, you can't fall into the trap of like, you are the hype. Like that's such a, yeah, I've never thought about it like that. And one of my next questions is going to be to you, did there ever feel like a point where it just felt like it clicked and it just, okay, yeah, they, I'm in the right place, but equally 
the the insecurity of like doing this do you think that'll ever that'll ever go no matter how big you get so the I think the the big turning moment was probably when we so we went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival Festival Fringe they hate it when you call it the other way around <laughs> um we went from 2011 to 2015 we took a show every year um and as I'm sure everyone knows that that's a huge expense uh, it, it's easily £15,000 before you've begun, before you've arrived. Um, and we took a musical adaptation of Alice of the Vegetable in Wonderland, um, which we're still to this day very proud of. Um, and then we, when we started working on our adaptations, our, our Father Christmas Needs a Wee was our first one that took all of our knowledge of children's theatre and all of our knowledge of pantomime, but put it in something that was uniquely ours. Um, we were very proud of, of taking that to the, to the festival. And even though we did it in August, people came to a Father Christmas show. <laughs> the, the amount of times people said to me, you're a bit early, mate. And my reply would always be, I'm on my holidays. <laughs> Um, the amount of times I heard that, people came, people enjoyed it, and from that we started to talk to venues that I would never dream of being able to talk to. So um, the, that, not that Christmas, the, the Christmas after we were able to tour that to venues like the Swansea Grand, the Jersey Opera House, um, the um, Theatre Royal in Wakefield, some absolutely beautiful places. Um, and then we got to go... To, to, to places that mean a lot to me, like the Majestic Theatre in Retford, um, the, the Parkway venues that we're now known for, for our pantomime work. I think that tour was the largest leap of faith, but also the biggest moment of, oh, yes, this is working. This is what we do. We create amazing Christmas pantomimes, but then we get to um, use the um, use the money and the kudos from those to create our own work. There's an amazing book. It's about the Salisbury Playhouse, uh, the artistic director of the Salisbury Playhouse, and it's called Putting on the Panto to Pay for the Pinter. Um, and that, for me, absolutely, the business side of Panto epitomizes what it's about. Theatres need to put on the pantomime because every family will go to one to make the revenue to do exciting things in the year, to stay open in the year. Um, so I would say that was our biggest turning point. Um, will, we, will we ever no, not be nervous for a season? Absolutely not. <laughs> but I think the same as performing. If you lose the nerves, you lose the adrenaline, What's the point? <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? I I love that you talk about all year round because I think people genuinely believe that people that are in Panto, they come out the woodwork about October, they <laughs> do the Christmas season, and then by January they're back in hibernation for the next eight months. Yeah, I mean, as you know, you've just done you've just done the photo shoot. Hint everybody, Bethany and is coming to Tailgate Theatre, everyone, to our amazing Parkway uh, Cluthorpe. We're so excited to have you play the Fairy Godmother for yeah, us this I'm year. So excited! <laughs> and that was months ago. That photo shoot, mm -hmm. and to get ready for the photo shoot, we had we we auditioned you. You you uh, we got your measurements. The costume was made. The beautiful wand was made. It's, it is really the creation of Christmas Panto. Really, is a year long a year-long process. We've already started now talking about the shows we'd like to see in 2024. 
Um, and again, we take inspiration for what's happening around. So next Easter, I'll get to Easter Panto, but we're doing The Little Mermaid, touring The Little Mermaid next Easter because the film has come out. So it's in everyone's, uh, it's in everyone's um, psyche at the moment. Everyone's thinking about it. So they'll want to go and see our pantomime version of it. Um, I think Easter pantomime is the most natural in the year time to do a pantomime because previously i mean not that many years ago pantomime seasons opened on boxing day and ran through till easter sunday uh, it's only within the last 20 30 years that christmas the christmas pantomime has been boxed into that december period so doing an easter pantomime isn't that unusual what we do and i'm claiming a stake here and now that we were the first to do it um, we do a Halloween panto um, because just the, all of the tropes of pantomime fit so beautifully in, into that getting a bit spooky style, having a ghost gag, having villainous characters that need to be defeated. All you need to do is add in a couple of um, horror references and you're away. So what we do at Halloween is, and I absolutely have a passion for them, is we do, I call them parody pantos. So we do takes on popular things. Um, so we started with a show in 2000. And, um, our, our first parody was in 2013, maybe 12. And it was called Ghost Pirates of the Black Pearl, that one. That. Not overly catchy, but um, we can guess what that was based on. Then the year after, we did um, one called Harry Panto, which is about a certain wizard boy saying no names whatsoever um and we've done different ones across the year the panto zone uh, panto of the dead um hocus panto um I, we're very lucky in the uk because we're protected by parody law which is very something very specific by the uk which is where you can use a piece of an ip to mock or reference um and that's something that, that that helps pantomime across the country but especially our parody pantos it's not something that other countries have uh, which is really nice that we can poke fun of ourselves in the uk i love that but my big question is when's there going to be a barbie panto because that has been huge ah <laughs> uh, i'm kenna that's all i'm gonna say i am kenna <laughs> i love it i absolutely love it but yeah what you're talking about there is so true like it is a year-long gig i mean when did i'm trying to think when the auditions were it was like march or april wasn't it when i auditioned for you yeah, so it's no, it's no news. You actually auditioned in Sutton Coldfield, which is where where you live currently. Well, Derby, um, so really close. Yeah, near, near, um, and that was a new venue for us, and they were really keen to just kind of get things ticking over. And um, I think as a venue, it's needed a kind of a rocket up it. So we've needed the whole year to really energize the venue and really make that show something important especially because there's some of the best pantos in the country nearby you've got the Litchfield Garrick Evolution's phenomenal panto with Sam Raybone as their panto dame amazing show and then obviously you've got the Hippodrome with the Dory um and um Andrew Ryan and Matt Slack so they they are very well established pantos so for Sutton we've had to spend a whole year just really putting as much passion into that one as possible. Um, and so you auditioned for us for that, but luckily there was there was something for you over in Cleethorpes. But stick around for certain next year, Beth, eh? <laughs> um, 
yeah, so it, it is all year to, to to get the marketing machine going as well. Um, as people don't realise, you need to get the photo. People think that print can just appear in theatres um, without needing the photo of the performer on the print to begin with. Yeah, I mean, we did our press shoot in very early July. I think it was actually the hottest day of the year so far because this summer's been dreadful. But it was scorching hot. We were walking around in these big costumes and the amount of times we got asked, what cosplay are you? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy. Like, So when, when you get all these, once you know what shows you're doing, when do you start the casting process and how do you even go start? casting all these shows when you've got so many that are going out yeah so we have 43 performers with us this uh, in fact that's just increased 45 there are 45 performers working with tailgate this year oh with i just feel like we're so lucky with the people that we get to work with though um so our, our casting generally will start with um people in the tailgate family will will get offered of offered roles that because we really like working with them and they've built a rapport with the audience so in Aberdeen uh, Phil Napier we call him our Doric Dame um Doric is the specific Aberdonian accent and he's he's built a rapport with the audience so we really want to make sure each venue has got a, a linchpin a starting point for the casting um for for Cleethorpes we're, we're really lucky that Steve Boyce and Sam uh, Wharton and Mayer are all, all returning from from last season so it gives us a nice linchpin to to base the production on um and also any any new tailgate family that come uh, will hopefully feel relaxed and and welcomed into the family so we always open on my season in about january february going so we're doing this do you fancy this one and they're like no i hate you go away <laughs> no they, they people genuinely want to come back to our little fam um and then we prefer to do um localized auditions um because especially the level of pantomime we're doing that we really try hard to make them um, localised, and that can be um, accent, it can be demographic, um, and in the script itself. We, we like the, the pantomime to feel like it belongs to the town and the building itself. So we will open with um, local auditions in Aberdeen, in Sutton, in Cleethorpes, in Beverly. Um, it doesn't always work out, so then you have to um, spread your wings far and wide we always like to open with um, a open casting on our social media because generally if performers are following you, they like your work and are interested in working with you. So that's where we'll put our casting notices out first um, because especially pantomime, we all know it's very hard work. There's some three show days, there's early mornings, there's big belting songs at 10 a.m. to to years one to three. Um, so, so you need to be passionate for it and passionate about working with the company that you've chosen to work with. I love that. And obviously you touched on there that the casting process, the first place you put it out is your social media. So any performers that are listening to this, if you want to work with Tailgate, get on their social media and get following them so you hear when it first comes out. But when performers come into an audition room for you, what three things should they remember when they're heading into that pantomime audition? Oh, that's a really good one. So we we like a, a kind of workshop audition. 
Um, and the reason we like that is that some people have travelled far, and a five-minute audition is just so rude in this, in my opinion, in this day and age, because we want people that we want to get to know the person a bit more and who they were and how they work well with people. So I think my my number one would be be open, be open to weirdness. I actually was listening to you only yesterday say this: um, that you look weirder when you don't do weird <laughs> and I would say that's absolutely the case um be be open to to talking to people because we actually look at how people are interacting out of the room as well as in front of us because I think you get to know people's uh, personality more when they're not on show um so be open be willing um punctuality ah. Oh. I love someone that's early. <laughs> I really do. Um, I, I'm a stickler for time. And, and I know that's going to be, oh, you're definitely a producer then. <laughs> I suppose it is an old myth of a producer, but I really love people that are, that are on time. Um, if you've been, have, um, just be pre- I think be prepared. Be prepared for audition. So, especially nowadays, have your song on a phone with every dongle possible. I know I bring every possible dongle for that same situation. Um, and wear something very noticeable. Because um, you had a, a beautiful red lip. And you had a red coat. I believe you walked in in a red coat. I did. I did. Well there remembered. You go. Yeah. And you wore green Yes! Oh my goodness, yeah. your memory is so good. Yeah, you, and you changed. You changed from dance to um, performance, I believe. I did. I think you did, anyway. Did. Yeah. Oh. Wear, wear, something, wear something striking, because um, a lot of the time when you're seeing... Uh, there was, in yours, for example, there was about 22-ish people. Yeah. You don't often get to know names in particular, so you'll, when you're, especially when you're doing dance calls, you'll go... Green Palazzo pants, fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. And one of the things I loved about the audition day, which is why as soon as the offer came through, I was like, yes, please. Um, I really wanted to work with you because you just gave everyone so much time and welcomed everyone. You could see that there were different levels, but you just accepted everyone for who they were. And I loved that about you. And I was like, if I can tell from an audition that they're going to be nice to work with, which you don't always get. Like, I no. know that in at Christmas, I'm going to be in safe hands. Like, I'm going to be in a lovely company. So, um, yeah, that definitely what drew me to you. So, actors, if you're listening. Uh, yeah I think I think that comes from I think that comes from having an actor background a, a lot of us in the office um, are from an actor background so we really know how that audition feels um, we know that um, the, 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 we get a, actors get a choice as well <laughs> like they're like no don't want to work for you you're not great it's a it's a two-way conversation a, a job offer and um and that that transcends into the rehearsal room as well as a as a as a director which i'm one of the directors um it's it's not it's not paint by numbers it, it's let the performers you've hired someone because they're talented and because they have interpretations let them have that 
Absolutely, I love that about you guys. And obviously, like you say, you've all come from an acting background. I mean, you've been a pantomime dame for over 15 years and you do it so well. So is there any like, <laughs> just pelling off the face? And... and I started when I was two, I know, can you believe it? <laughs> I love that. Um, so are there any moments that you look back on your career that are particularly like standout ones for you that are very memorable and have like a special place in your heart? Oh gosh, do you know there's there's actually there's so many little moments. Um and do you know a lot of the time it's it, the moments I I kind of treasure are are the team are the team moments, the moments where something's gone terribly wrong. And, and you just roll forward. Um, we did Aladdin, 2019, we did Aladdin. And um, our Aladdin was crossing backstage and hit his head on the, man, on the mangle, believe it or not. It was taped up, it was risk assessed. Um, and then he had to go straight on into the Cave of Wonders and blood was gushing, gushing from his head. Uh, so we tried to dab it and, and nothing was happening. Stage manager tried to help, nothing. So... Um, for no reason whatsoever, his mum, Widow Twanky, came with him into the Cave of Wonders and just held a tissue on his head till he finished the scene. Luckily, it was just about to be the interval and he was okay. But uh, So that sticks out. Uh, we in, in Hocus Panto in 2018, we came out of this grave. We opened, bursting out of this, this, this mound of dirt. And uh, I was stood on my cloak so the other two managed to spring right up and I only made it just to my head. And there's a video of just my head coming out of this little grave. Um, just, yeah, I absolutely love being a panto dame. It's, it's so fabulous. You get to spend the year designing amazing costumes. You get stunning wigs made by, uh, I get my wigs made by this amazing chap called David Burt of Wig Art, who's also a panto dame himself. Um, you, you get to act a fool and it's fabulous. I absolutely love that. And I, I can't, I can just imagine you being in those moments and trying to navigate that, bless your heart. I mean, people <laughs> love it, don't they? The audience love when things go wrong in panto. They live for those little moments where they can see things have gone wrong in the moment. And because it's yeah. fun and it's panto and it's, you know, tongue in cheek at times, you can get absolutely get away with it. But as in life, things do sometimes go, for want of a better word, tits up. Um, One of my favourite things to say is, uh, so, oh, Jack and the Beanstalk, the Beanstalk did not inflate one year because the curtain had got caught on the fan. And so me and Jack open our cottage and go, look at this Beanstalk. And it's just this flaccid thing on the floor. <laughs> and one of my favourite things to say when anything goes wrong is, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing like live theatre. And this is nothing like live theatre. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just... Things go so wrong, but it's so wonderful because they create those beautiful little moments. But has there ever been anything that has maybe gone really wrong and it's something you've had to learn from and kind of navigate from and overcome within the either the performing side or the producing side? Yeah, do you know, the, um, the year after COVID, 2021 year, was incredibly difficult. We found 2020 was a much easier year than 2021 because the rules were so rigid. 2020, we did, we were really fortunate to be able to do a drive-in panto. 
um, in uh, down south, um, and we also did uh, Father Christmas Needs a Wee in um, the Theatre 7 in Shrewsbury that year, because they couldn't put on a big panto, but because that show's smaller, it has better, it has more flexible margins, so they were able to put less people in such a large space. That's not the point. The point was 2021 was really difficult because the government kind of put the onus back on the producer for what you felt was the right rules at the time. So we had a, a lot of teams that would do the show, go home and lock themselves away till the next day. Um, but obviously accidents are going to happen. And one of the hardest things to navigate was... Um, You've got COVID. The government said you can go on, but the moral thing to do is stay at home and protect the country and protect yourself. Um, and we, there was a lot of times where uh, uh, that year I discovered that, especially during Christmas, especially when there's nine teams, I cannot be lead producer and pantomime dame because there's a lot of times I'd be having conversations on the phone in tears and then wipe the tears, go on stage and say your marvellous funny lines. Um, because we had a lot of times where um, a show was about to happen and the princess wasn't there because of COVID. What do you do? Fine. We What we ended up doing was um, the Slave of the Ring, who'd played Jasmine seven years previous, actually ended up chopping her parts in half and doing a bit of both. Uh, we laugh now. We call that Jasmine anti-Jasmine. Because she was maybe a smidge older than Jasmine should have been. Only a smidge. Um, so I think that year I, I learned that um, I'm only human. <laughs> and and I, I never want to make the choice of, okay, well, don't perform. Um, so since then, I've learned to be, to be able to give, give some of the responsibility back to com the company managers in the venues. And then we've grown our office team. I hope that answers that question. I think it does. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's so important to remember that we're all human. Outsourcing is sometimes needed, especially when you're trying to juggle so much. And I think as well, like people forget, like we come on and be funny on stage, but we do have lives like outside of the theatre. Um, last Christmas for me, I know that I, I received a call that my father-in-law had gone into intensive care dressed as a gangster penguin. And I'm like wiping the tears away to go and be a gangster penguin five seconds later on stage and try and make the audience howl. And it was just, it's just people forget, I think that there's stuff going on for us as well. Obviously we leave all that at the door and we come on and we put on the best show possible. And no of course we do. never know in the theatre that that's, that that's what's going on. But I think it's important to, to highlight, like there might be trials and tribulations over that Christmas period, especially if you're an actor doing the shows. Um, there's definitely things that come up that you can't help, that can't be avoided. Um, but trying to do your best professionally to, to navigate that and taking the time you need outside the shows to make sure you're well. A thousand percent. Um, and I must thank, we're very lucky, Vocal Zone send us a package to all of our teams every year. And their, their honey tea gets everyone through everything. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Yeah, you'll receive one. I also, just watch, I might lie now. Don't tag them in this. Um, uh, and I defy any actor who's not being frozen on stage to not be thinking about what's for dinner. 
Absolutely. And obviously, winter is a time where colds and coughs and flus are so prevalent anyway. And we've just come out of the back of the COVID years. There is still so much that goes around every Christmas. So like trying to make sure when you're doing these two, three show days and your schedule is so tight and everything happens really quickly and you're sometimes away um, from home and you've got all new people you're mingling with. Um, it's it's really hard. So you really need to take that time to make sure you're well, right? Because otherwise, it can really hurt the run. Totally. I'd say I'd say that's also the same as as the um, the fringe environment, the festival environment. It's um, it's taking time out of that. You don't you don't have to be on all the time. Look after yourself. Take time out. Take a duvet moment. Yes, I am all about taking them them duvet moments <laughs> <laughs> so panto this year is going to be incredibly busy for you i mean how many shows have you got going out this year do you know uh, we have five pantomime titles three father chris uh, and three father christmas titles upward oh, inflection yes wow. so that's five six eight only eight this year only eight only eight plus you've still got halloween to do first and then Absolutely, yeah. you've got Goose, which is coming up. When is that? Oh, I'm so excited. That, yeah, so we have just, we've just signed a, a, a contract with a new author. She's not a new author. She, it's it's going to be a new show. An author called Laura Wall, who's created these absolutely beautiful books uh, called Goose. Um, and this will be our first foray into work for under fives. Uh, um I'm just so excited about, again, using all of the knowledge that we've gained from, from our pantomime work and our children's musicals, which have been on stage proscenium arch style, into developing a, a, a studio show that's for a smaller audience, that's tactile, that's playful, that's interesting. Um, I, I, just, I just think entertaining under fives is going to be such a thrill. And so different for us within our remit um and so that's going to be touring from february next year we're writing the the songs at the moment with an incredible uh lyricist called liz carney marsh um and award publications which again is a nottinghamshire based company so we're keeping it local to ourselves um and it's just going to be adorable and now more than ever we need to be creating work that gets children hooked into theatre at the very youngest age possible um if if people don't watch theatre when they're five ten eleven who's going to be watching uh mousetrap in 70 years time goose sounds absolutely incredible and you're so right you've got to get them in at that that early age and for many that will be their first moment of theatre and experiencing that and I think it's such a great visual way for them to learn as well for children to to watch stories play out I think that's such a beautiful moment so how how are you going to are there any methods that you you're gonna use to try and help convey that story for such a young age because that is a really young age to try and keep engaged isn't it yeah, so we, it, it's going to be, it's not going to be a sit in a theatre to watch a show. It's going to be uh, for, for about 50 audience members at a time. It's going to be sat on the floor on, 
on either we're thinking either lily pads or splashes. Uh, it's going to be set. It's going to be set in the park where Sophie, our, our main character, first meets Goose, um, and the entire thing is going to be up on its feet, playing. Um, we've we've written a song called Muddy Puddles, Splish Splash Splash, Muddy Puddles, and so that's going to be children interacting with the scenery, jumping around, jumping with Goose. I say we want everything to have a feeling. To be really tactile, to for nothing to be precious either. If a kid runs away with a, a, a puddle, so be it. As long as they are enjoying that space and interacting with that moment. Oh, I love that. That is going to be absolutely adorable. That is going to be so cute. Um, this season, so busy, so many Planet Mind titles, so many Father Christmas titles. If people want to come and see a tailgate theatre production, which I'm sure they will after this conversation, um, where can they look to find the nearest show near them? Oh, so the best place would be our website, tailgatetheatre.co.uk, which is T-A-L-E-G-A-T-E. Uh, the reason being, it's meant to be the opening of a tale, the gates opening, the beginning of a story. Um the actual reason is that my friend who we, uh, who we did, took a show to the Fringe with was tailgated by the back of a Pizza Hut truck that, the week we decided the name of the company. <laughs> I love <laughs> so, that. So um, that's why we call it the Tailgate Theatre. Tailgatetheatre.co.uk on the What's On will have everything listed and will take you to the direct venues that we go to. And that link will be in the show notes of this episode. So if you are wondering where you can find the Tailgate Theatre website, it will be in the show notes below. So go check that out. But honestly, that's I love that. How fitting that you've got a genuine, like, theatrical reason why it's named and then the actual reason. Because I feel like that's so panto in itself. Ah, yes, it is. Love a good double entendre. Love a good pun. I love that. Um, so, James, before we finish up today, I'd love to ask you, what one piece of advice would you give to aspiring performers who are listening to this show? Um, I'm going to harp back to something I've said earlier, and it's, um, it's take risks. Have the courage of your convictions, I would say. Um, there is never a right time to do anything, so why not right now? I love that. I love that. James, thank you so much for being an incredible guest. I've loved having you on the show and chatting to you because you are a bundle of joy um, for one <laughs> of the reasons, but your your insight is so valuable. There's loads of things I'm going to take away from this. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. I didn't get to use my posh words like Comedia dell'arte and Mama's Plays, but I've said them now. So they said them now. Mic drop. Look, thank you so much, James.